Welcome to the Life Christian Church Podcast, where our mission is to inspire people to the life God dreams for them as we spread His love in ever-widening circles. You may have heard about uh, Rosetta, Pennsylvania, and some of the uniquenesses found uh, there as it concerns community health. Um, Rosetto is a is a is a community named after Rosetto, Italy, because for a number of generations, beginning in the 1800s, Italian immigrants moved into Rosetto and uh, created a community so insulated from the rest of the world that many times neighboring communities really didn't even know Rosetta existed. Well, to make a really long story short, Malcolm Gladwell opens his book, uh, outliers with with the, the the studies around this to make a long story short a doctor uh, discovered in the 1950s that the incident of heart disease among men under the age of 65 was almost non-existent in Rosetta and this was uh, uh, something perplexing because heart disease at that time was the leading cause of death among men under the age of 65 in the United States around that time. It was before a lot of, I'm looking at some medical doctors as I'm saying this, uh, I'm just telling you what I've read and studied, uh, they're nodding their heads, so thank you. Um, and um, uh, at that time, um, there, there, there were not there was, wasn't the kind of understanding that we have now and the kind of uh, proactive ways that that can be treated. And so this was uh, uh, surprising as to why this was so. And so a doctor named Tom Wolf uh, initiated a, a, a series of studies trying to discern what was so unique about what was happening in this population. And... Um, what, what this doctor, Wolf, began to realize, and now I'm reading from Gladwell, was that the secret of Rosetto wasn't diet or exercise or genes or location. They tested for all of these things. It had to be Rosetto itself in transplanting the culture of southern Italy to the hills of eastern Pennsylvania. The Rosettans had created a powerful, protective social structure capable of insulating them from the pressures of the modern world. The Rosettans were healthy because of where they were from, because of the world they had created for themselves in their tiny little town in the hills. When this was first presented to the medical community, the medical community was very skeptical. Uh, living a long life, the conventional wisdom at the time said, depended to a great extent on who we were, that is, our genes. It depended on the decisions we made, on what we chose to eat, how much we chose to exercise, and how effective we were treated by the medical system. And here's the, 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 the money line for me. No one was used to thinking about health in terms of community. They had to look beyond the individual. They had to understand the culture he or she was a part of and who their friends and families were and what town their families came from. They had to appreciate the idea that the values of the world we inhabit and the people we surround ourselves with have a profound effect on who we are. And that's what I want to talk about for a little bit today. We've been teaching about how God wants to flourish us. We've talked about how that to flourish is to have thriving well-being in every dimension of our lives. 
Today, I want to explore social flourishing, and particularly one of the most important means God uses to flourish us, which is simply, yet profoundly, that he flourishes us in community with others. And so let's organize today's talk around a discussion of three community needs, three community needs. So uh, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Ryan spoke about flourishing spiritually. Last week, I spoke about flourishing psychologically. Today, we're going to talk about social flourishing. And I, I, I first of all, want to talk about how that we need a community of faith, I, I want to focus on a particular kind of community today. I want to shine a light on the community of faith and especially the potential that, that uh, we have with one another in the church. And that's not to say that there aren't other incredibly important relationship sets God uses, of course, for instance, you know, we could spend a year talking about the importance of the family. I just want to focus in particular on the uh, potential inherent in the relationships that we have with one another in the community of faith. And to say that God uses our relationships with one another in unique ways to help us thrive. The 92nd Psalm, which uh, Gabby just uh, recited in song, tells us the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Another translation has it like this, the righteous thrive like a palm tree and grow like a cedar tree in Lebanon, but there's a particular context in which this happens, planted in the house of the Lord, they thrive in the courts of our God. I mentioned uh, several weeks ago when I launched this series that uh, Christian and I, uh, my son and a pastor here, uh, Christian and I, were able to have a, a meeting with the uh, assistant director of the new department on her human flourishing at Harvard. We have a mutual friend, felt like we should get together, have a conversation about some things that I'm writing about in my next book. And so we had this incredible conversation with this guy who... Uh, um, uh, is on the cutting edge of what it means to think about human flourishing in today's world. And he pointed us to an, to an academic paper that was probably uh, the most important part of informing the way they're thinking about human flourishing in this new department at Harvard. It's an it's a academic paper written by Todd Vanderweel, and it's called On the Promotion of Human Flourishing. I referred to that a few weeks ago. I want to now in light of today's talk. And um, let me just go ahead and uh, uh, warn you I don't know, warn you, just let you know. I'm going to quote, I always quote from other folks. Uh, I, 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 I refuse to just talk to you about what's in my own head. I, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to study the people who are experts in things, right? And so today there will be an inordinate amount of that, just so you know, because I found a lot of things people thought about and said that, frankly, I just think is better than how I've thought about it or said it. And so, you know, part of what I get paid to do is to read and study, and I try to 
bring the best of all of that to you, okay? So anyway, so here, here's a, a little bit from this, this academic paper uh, from my reading of the empirical literature on these topics and the suggestions and comments of others. I would like to propose here that four major pathways, and again, this is what the Harvard Department of Human Flourishing is, is pursuing that the four major pathways are both relatively common and have reasonably sizable effect on each of the domains of flourishing. The four pathways are family, work, education, and religious community. And now here's a little bit about what this academic paper says about religious community. In line with things I've certainly said in the past, religious community, and I'm just going to grab a few things here, not only is participation substantial in religious community, but there is now fairly good evidence that participation in religious community is longitudinally associated with the various domains of flourishing. There is a large literature suggesting that attending religious services is associated with better health. There are now numerous well-designed longitudinal studies that suggest that regular religious service attendance is associated with greater longevity, a 30% incidence, a lower incidence of depression, survival it's, it's an academic paper in very small print, and I should have brought my glasses up here, just to be frank. Um, a 30% lower incidence of depression, a five-fold lower tale of suicide, better survival from cancer, and numerous other outcomes. Importantly, the evidence suggests that it is attending religious services rather than private practices or self-assessed spirituality or religiosity that is most strongly predictive of health. You'd think a pastor wrote that, wouldn't you? The, it is the communal form of religious practice that appears to bring about better health comes. Notice the, the, the key word there. It is the communal form of religious practice that appears to bring about better health outcomes. Numerous studies have also demonstrated an association between attending services and happiness and life satisfaction. I'm skipping a lot of stuff here. Um, Finally, concerning close relationships, there is evidence from longitudinal studies that attending religious services decreases the likelihood of divorce, increases the likelihood of substantially making new friends and of marrying, and increases social support. The effect of religious community and specifically religious service attendance on these various aspects of flourishing is thus substantial. I mean, it's pretty stunning, isn't it? It's, so, so essentially they're saying, the, the academics are saying that one of the four key pathways to human flourishing is, is, is participation in religious community. I mean, the psalmist said thousands of years ago, the righteous flourish like a palm tree when they're planted in the house of the Lord. And I love it when science says, you know what? God was right. I mean, it's almost foolish. It's like, God. I, I guess he knows what he's talking about. See, God uses people to do his work. 
So, so we're talking about the need to flourish. So let's talk. Last week, there was quite an incredible response from you guys around this subject of psychological flourishing. And so, you know, we, we, we talked about what it looks like to flourish psychologically. Well, one, one of the key ways that God uses us to flourish psychologically is through our relationships with other people in our religious community. So here's a great example of that. The Apostle Paul said in, to the Corinthians, God, who comforts the depressed, comforted us by the coming of Titus. God, who comforts the depressed, comforts us through the coming of Titus. So you may say, you know, I, I'm, I'm struggling with depression. And again, I spoke about all of that at length last week. But, but and, 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 and perhaps as you're concern, as concerning your relationship with God, you're saying, God, I want you to heal me from depression. Now, we also talked about the need to treat the chemistry of the brain with medications if they're available and so on. Again, I need to be careful. I have enough time, trouble getting this week's message in. I can't do last week's again. But, but, but as it concerns our relationship with God, Paul's saying basically, you know, I, 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 I was feeling down and the way God answered my prayer is he sent me Titus. And one of the ways that God will treat the things in your life that are less than as they should be is he will send you a brother or sister, a person of faith to help treat whatever it is that ails you. So it's like, God help me. And God says, look, look, look around you and look at the people that I sent who can help you with this. Avail yourself of that. It's like the old story you guys have heard well, I don't know why am I going to tell an old story you guys have heard, but but I am anyway about the guy. The, it's it's going to flood someplace, and the weather forecast says it is, and the water starts to rise, and and there's some a, 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 a person of, of radical and uninformed faith who's 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 uh, uh, trusting God to save him from the flood, and there's a knock at the door, an emergency service that says the water is coming, it's rising. Uh, we have an SUV here. Please get on the SUV. Let us know God's going to help me. He says, you remember this story and. Okay, forget it. Well, then my next point, <clears throat> and, 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 <laughs> and the water keeps rising, and now he, he's standing out on the porch, and he'd have to swim to get away, and an emergency service uh, a group sends a boat, and he says, no, I'm not going to get in the boat. God's going to help me. ends up on top of the roof. The water is still rising. They send a helicopter. Let us hoist you up here. No, no, no. God's going to save me. The flood comes. He drowns. He shows up in heaven. He says, hey, God, what's the deal? And God says, I sent you an SUV. I sent you a boat. I sent you a helicopter, right? You remember the joke, just not well enough to remember how to, you tell the joke, all right? So, so I think this is sometimes what, what we're, we're saying, God, you know, we, we think that our relationship with God is just between us and God, and that's not how God designed it to work. He sent you an SUV, he sent you, he sent you Titus, he sent you somebody around. But if you don't avail yourself of that, it's like being prescribed medication that you refuse to take. He sent you people, you've got to let God use people to help heal you or in this case, to help flourish you. See, God designed human life that we become 
who he made us to be only in connection to him and fellow human beings. Though our most important relationship is with, is with him, God himself decided that wasn't enough. And so what did he do? He, he created, in the beginning, he created the family. So each of us have developed, we don't just develop in relationship to God in terms of being human persons, we develop in relationship to one another. Um, and all of us have developed in the context of family as people, whether our biological family or some other familial arrangement. This is God's plan. The psalmist said God sets the solitary in families. It's revealing then, and we cannot forget this, that when we're born again, we are born into a family. The Apostle Peter tells us that God has given us the privilege to be born again so that we are now members of God's own family. He didn't just give us new birth. He placed us into a family. Now, we're a part of God's people everywhere, but the way the family of God gets worked out in reality is through the local church. He designed our lives to be lived in relationship to others who are living this new life too. This is where we're cared for, this is where we grow, and this is where we fully develop into the people God destined us to be. It's not enough to be born. We must become, and we can only become in relationship to each other. So one key of flourishing, of thriving in every dimension of well-being is taking advantage of the people God has put us in relationship with through the local church. And, and you know, it's amazing. You, you, you just see so much uh, uh, about all of this. Our relationships, I mean, even, even biologically, our relationships create us. Daniel Goleman, in his, in, his, in his wonderful work, Social Intelligence, um, he said, to a surprising extent, then our relationships mold not just our experience, but our biology. The brain-to-brain -brain link allows our strongest relationships to shape us, and on he goes about that. One other thing along those lines, and, and, and I'll move on to my next point. Um, um, so th there, there was a, a, a Harvard social scientist, uh, a team of them, who tracked 7,000 people over nine years, and researchers found, uh, among other things, that the most isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. People who had bad health habits, such as smoking, poor eating habits, obesity, or alcohol use, which are not encouraged, but this is just what the science said. People had bad health habits, but strong social ties lived significantly longer than people who had greater health habits but were isolated. In other words, John Ortberg said about that study, it is better to eat Twinkies with good friends than to eat broccoli alone. And Harvard researcher Robert Putnam notes that if you belong to no groups but decide to join one, you cut your risk of dying over the next year in half. So we're going to talk later and give people an opportunity to connect to one of our life groups here, our life and a family environment groups. And how's this for a sales pitch? If you join a group... You have a 50%, is that what it said? It's unbelievable, is it? If you join a new group, 
you cut your risk of dying over the next half by 50%. We're going to need more groups around here. All right, here's the second community need. This is real, guys. I mean, this is, you know, this isn't a pastor up here saying, you need to come to church because I need you to come to church. I don't, do I need you? Yeah, I need you to come to church. But, But that's not the point you need. Because God says, I want to flourish you. And the way I'm going to flourish you, at least to a large extent, I'm going to flourish you in terms of your connections with other people who are a part of the family of God. So get engaged. All right, here's the second thing. It follows. So we need others to help us flourish. So now let's, let's acknowledge. Let's acknowledge, guys, all of us. A lot of people in this room, you know, uh, upwardly mobile, successful, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, go make it happen kind of people, part of TLCC. But I'm going to tell you, you need, you need us. Now, I'm going to tell you later, we need you. But right now, in focus, you need us. Not like you're doing us a favor by showing up. You need us. Our flourishing is connected to each other's flourishing. This is how God designed life to work. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about how the body of Christ is built up until we, notice there's the community aspect, the body of Christ, which in this case uh, he's referring to the local church there in Ephesus. The body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That sounds like flourishing to me. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I don't have time and didn't even really intend to exegete that passage except just to give you a sense of the way scripture talks about the relationship between the the, the whole and the parts of the whole. As, as we grow, you grow. As you grow, we grow. We, we, we need as individuals to understand that we grow and reach our potential only, as Paul said, we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Because uh, th- this, is, this, is, this is how we impact each other. Our personal flourishing is inseparably linked to the flourishing of our spiritual family. We each flourish only as we all flourish. And so we, we want to we make sure that we see our, our need of, of each other to flourish and to also make sure we're making a contribution to the flourishing of us all. It just kind of like, like it or not, we're really important to each other. We're really important to each other. Um, another story maybe you've heard or haven't heard about the guy you know who 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 uh was was driving his car uh I don't know what it is with these old stories coming to mind today driving his car uh, up up in the mountains and and lost control and the and the, and the car plunged over the cliff to a canyon like 500 feet below he somehow jumped out as it was as it was plunging and grabbed hold of a bush towards the top of this cliff and and uh you know it's just him 
just him hanging on and, 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 and he prays. He says, God, help me. God, save me. Please save me. And he hears the voice of God say, uh, I'll save you. Just trust me. Let go of the bush. And the guy looks around and says, is anybody else out there? <laughs> I, I think sometimes, you know, when you, when you, when you, when you hear me say what I'm saying now that, you know, your flourishing is connected to our flourishing and maybe God sent someone. It's like we look around and say, is there anybody else out there? And, and, and the fact is there, there's, there's not, we are who you've got. Do you, do you get my very simple point? We, I mean, look around the room. This is this is the family of God, a subset of God's people everywhere, the people to whom we're connected, the people to whom we relate. And our flourishing is connected to each other's flourishing, and we need to understand that we both need the others to help us flourish, and we also need to make sure we're contributing to the flourishing of the whole. You were born into a spiritual family, and to some extent, big picture. I, I guess you could find another church if you want, but you're not going to find a better group of people than this. I, I'll guarantee you that. But to, to some extent, we were born, we were born again, we're born into a family, and we have no more ability to choose who the other members of the family are then we have to choose you know, our siblings in a biological sense. And so, so we might as well acknowledge our need of each other and get engaged in a way where we can make a difference in each other's lives. So this is your family, like it or not, and we need each other. And, and you let people be engaged enough to let this work for you. Just a casual kind of every once in a while relationship, that's, it's not going to work the way God meant for it to work. You've got to be joined to each other, connected to each other. You, you, you have to be in relationships with people where the relationship can go deep enough that you have relationships with people who help you become better than you are. It's on one hand, we want to be around people who accept us and like us as we are, but, but, but we want to go in relationships deeply enough with other people in God's family that they actually have the opportunity to help us become better than we are. And part of what happens when we, and this is why, this is why guys, the, the idea of a small group or being involved in a serving team becomes so important. Uh, that, that's not the only way to work this out, but you, you need to find people in the family of God, in your religious community, who can help flourish you, who you know well enough that they actually could challenge you. And one of the things that happens when we get into, into relationships like that is, is that, that, that other people see things about us that we don't see. We need to be in relationships that increase our self-awareness. Um, I was uh, doing some reading this week from uh, Scott Allender's wonderful book on emotional intelligence, and uh, he, he made the observation th that in his experience, the, 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 that, that most of us are not nearly as self-aware as we think we are. And that the, it's almost as if he says, it's his opinion, that the, the more self-aware someone thinks they are, the less self-aware they probably are. 
And it, it, it's, it's a frightening thing to consider. You know, that, uh, and I've seen statistics in terms of determining how many people are, are really not self-aware. And it's like 70 plus percent of us have a real problem seeing things about ourselves that, that anybody close to us can see. It's frightening. I get to be unself-aware in front of a crowd every week. It's like, uh, and, and, but, but we, we need people who help us. I, uh, I remember, uh, a, uh, I, I had a, uh, a, a a mentor, I would say, who, who started out as just a a, a hero of mine. He, the, a gentleman who pastored a fantastic church, and I'd heard about, and and I was able to get to know him and to speak for him. And and as I'm early in the relationship with this guy, who's a hero of mine, we're having we're having dinner. And uh, at, with with a group of people, and he's the leader, and the one everyone is looking to. And I and I notice a, a semi-solid substance formed, hanging out of his nose, consisting of dried nasal secretions and dust. Or I think the way it's said in in uh, the vernacular is he had a booger hanging out of his nose. <clears throat> Pardon the crudity, but I tried to say it in a more technical way, a, a, a nasal nugget. And so, uh, and it was quite prominent. And I'm, I'm, try, <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> to get to, to I, I'm trying to impress this guy. I want him to like me. I'm a young guy. I still had lots of hair. I had a shot, you know, and, and, and I have this, this, you know, what do I say something or do I not say something? There are other more mature friends of him sitting around and no one said anything. And so at some point I said, uh, Hey pastor, you have something hanging out of your nose to which of course his response after he took care of it was to thank me and to respect me for having the guts to tell him what I saw, but he didn't see about himself. Well, the fact is we need some people around us who can tell us <laughs> What they see, let's get away from boogers. What they see <laughs> that we don't see, and I know I'm, 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 I'm self-aware enough to know technically that I need to work on this. I need to do better at this. And so, so um, by, by God's grace, I have a, a, a handful, maybe a little less than a handful of very close friends that I've established relationships over the years who can speak truth to me. I have a coach who I use intermittently to help get engaged and to, to say, here's the deal, tell me, and he's very, hurts my feelings, so I'm very blunt with me. Uh, but I know that I need that. Uh, I, uh, 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 I, ha I have gone, uh, do go, will go to a counselor who speaks to me and helps me to see things that for whatever reason, it's like, how, how could I not see that? Um, and uh, sometimes I just, I just, I don't know. It's like uh, some areas that I'm just kind of stupid and, and I need some help on. And my suspicion is that all of us need that. And one of the places that we're supposed to find that is by going deep in our relationships with each other. We need each other. You need some people that you know well enough in this church where you can bring your authentic self. We need some people with whom we can take off our Sunday morning mask. Here I am. 
a flawed person with some issues, who wrestles sometimes with my faith, who struggles and overcomes and struggles some more, and I'm capable of stumbling and falling, who's tempted, who sometimes gets angry and sad and anxious. But by God's grace, I'm on a slow journey of faith. This is what we're saying to this group of people around us. And I'm growing and learning and improving, and, 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 and I need your help. To be able to become fully the person God called me to do. And when we acknowledge our need to others and of others, it increases our possibility of success. I have a couple more studies I was going to read, but I'll save you. And I think I made the point. I think you get it. I think you agree. So then finally, let me just talk about how we need to help others flourish. I mean, I've, I've, I've referred to this, but let me refer to it more. We need to help others flourish. We, we not only need others to help us thrive, we need, we need to help others thrive. I mean, we, we need it not just because they need it, they do, but we need it because we need it. Um, Jeremiah had a word from God to the Jewish exiles in Babylon, and part of what he said was, pursue the well-being of the city I have deported you to, Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for when it thrives, you thrive. And there's a principle there about, about the whole of life. This is speaking about helping the city flourish and so on and so forth. But the fact is, when you help others flourish, and this, this is, this, we can find this all through Scripture, and then everything we know about life. When you help other people thrive, you thrive. So you not only need others to help you thrive, you need to help others thrive so you can thrive. Now that's not your primary motivation, hopefully, but in fact, when you're helping others thrive, it's part of how God helps you thrive. And so, so I, don't, I don't know that I know how to make this point very well, but in a way that's paradoxical, we need to have some folks with whom we can bring our authentic selves. In other words, you know, I'm, 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 not, I'm not the person who has it all together selves. And at the same time, also be conscious that we need to bring our best selves. We need, we need help, but we also need to help others. So we need, but we're needed. So as we grow, we bring our thriving self. Remember, if you're growing, you're thriving. If, if, if you're doing better in some area, uh, some dimension of your life than you were a year ago, you're thriving. Thriving, growing, flourishing, that, that's, that's what that means. It doesn't, it's, not a, it's not a final state of being. It is a growing towards, which all of us are going to be doing, hopefully, the entirety of our lives. We're not going to get there. We're, we're all on our way there. And so it, you, we need to bring our 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 growing self, our thriving self, in whatever ways we're able to help others thrive. It's like, you know, you've heard the term wounded healers, right? I mean, I, I, I have not thought about it recently, but, but the, the reality is that as, a, that, that, as a, that as a pastor, I hope that I don't stand in front of you in a posture of, I've got everything together, guys. You know, I, 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 I'm, you know follow me. I, 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 I hope it's more, I'm a human being just like you are who needs God's grace and your grace, and I'm growing and learning and sincere and all of that. Uh, so, 
follow me, but uh, just know that, that, that I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing my best to get there too. And so maybe instead of wounded healers, maybe we can think about wounded thrivers, which is to say that, that, that uh, we, we haven't arrived, we're all on our way, we're, we're acknowledging our need, and at the same time, we're doing our best to bring our best selves to others. See, that's the paradox I don't really know if I, if I know how to explain very well. On one hand, you, you need. On the other hand, others need you. And so you have to live in that tension where on one hand you're saying, here's authentically who I am, this person who needs to grow, and at the same time, you have things in your thriving self that can help others grow. And there's a certain certain uh, uh, tension there where you're not just this needy person, I need you guy, but you're a, yes, you're a needy person, but you also have something to offer others, and so you're trying to live in a way and interact with people in a way where others can be inspired by you, can become a better version of themselves by you. And, and the Lord bless you. I, I, I talk about, I kind of sum up a number of, of, of research studies about the way we affect each other. Multiple studies have shown that if we are in relationship with people who are happy, we're much more likely to be happy. If we hang out with people who are physically and nutritionally healthy, we're much more likely to eat right, exercise, and be healthy too. If we spend time with people who are learners, we're more likely to be learners. If we surround ourselves with people who are engaged in positive life transformation, we're more likely to be successful at positive life transformation, to which I say then you have some obligation to the rest of us to be a growing person who can bring the optimal version of yourself and lift the people up around you. I know I may sound like I'm saying two different things, but, but I, you, you guys are smart enough, I think, to fill in the gaps that I'm not verbalizing properly. You need, but others need you. You're honest about the fact you need, but at the same time, you, you feel a certain sense of obligation. People learn more when they're around people who learn, so you should be learning. People are happier when they're around somebody who's happy. So you should be cultivating your own happiness. You understand? People, people do better with their physical fitness when they are around people who care about physical fitness. You should care about physical fitness. Do you get my point? This is part of why here at the Life Christian Church we say our target audience are better life seekers. It's better life seekers. It's people who want more and better life than, than we ever dreamed for. And so we're not there, but we're climbing. We're, we haven't arrived, but we're on our way. We're, we, we acknowledge we have need, but we're not just saying, well, I guess I'm just some loser. We're saying by God's grace, God's helping me become more and better than I ever dreamed of. And, and, and whatever good I can bring to your journey, I feel a certain sense of responsibility to be bringing this to you. And so thanks for letting me live a little bit in the nuance there. You know, the fact is we need each other to live the life God dreamed for us. We've got to make a commitment to this. And so three things, is, is, and then I'm going to uh, uh, be finished. Three things to think about to help others flourish. First of all, be growing. Be growing. I want to encourage you so much. 
Just don't, 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 don't be on yourself because you, you, haven't, you don't have it all together yet. But be committed to grow. Be committed to grow. People, we need to be growing together, guys. I want this to be a community where somebody's hanging out with you in a life group. They're hanging out with somebody who wants to, you know, who's honest about their need and who's trying to get better at life. So we need to be growing people. We want to be learners. We want to be readers. We want to be podcast listeners. We want to be thinking about, we're going to get into this next week. We're going to be thinking about our physical health. We're going to be thinking about, about just being flourishing human beings. Okay? Secondly, be full of faith about others. Change does not happen when you're, you know, you, you don't, when you have a, the way that God decided to transform humanity was by grace and faith. And there's something to be learned by that in human relationships. It wasn't by law. All the law does is tell you where you're wrong, where you're wrong, where you're wrong, where you're wrong. And if you're trying to influence other people in positive ways, you cannot be a where you're wrong, where you're wrong, where you're wrong, where you're wrong person all the time. That needs to be a a, 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 a small point, the, you know, it, it's, it's got to be, I believe in you, and you have a booger on your nose. <laughs> you, you, you get my point? I'm for you. I, I, I'm, I, you. And so faith, Romans 4, 17, talks about God who gives life to the death and calls into being things that are not. When you're around other people, you, you, you are seeing the best in them, seeing the potential in them. You are helping to call out those good things. And, and that buys you then the ability sometimes to say, and, and you know, um, I don't, you know, the way you just talked about what's going on at work and what you said to your boss, uh, I don't know that that's really the, you know, but you know, but you're not. You're not. You, you get the point. You're saying it in a context of I believe in you. I'm for you. I see things in you. You don't even see about yourself. And then finally, be gracious. I mean, God is gracious towards us, right? He gives us unmerited favor. I mean, if He was only giving us what we earned, we, we'd all be in big trouble, right? But He decided to give us things that we don't deserve, and we've got to learn to be gracious to each other. So we're growing, we're full of faith, we've created an atmosphere of grace, we're acknowledging our need, at the same time, we're trying to bring the best of who we are to others, and, we're, and, and, and somehow or another, God is using all of this to flourish us. So, so you, you're, you're saying, I hope many of you, I want to flourish, and God's today saying, look around you, look who I sent to help you become everything you are called to be.